And this is probably one of the greatest things in relationships. If you, have had, if you had asked one of the questions of what are the important ingredients, this is one of the most important ingredients. It's the ability to make space for another person to be with themselves in your presence. That's Esther Perel. And this is The Depression Detox Show. Hello, and welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I'm your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Wednesday. Appreciate you joining me. So today we have Esther Perel back on the show, and she is a psychotherapist, speaker, and New York Times bestselling author. And she's super popular for all the amazing work that she's done so far in the world of relationship dynamics, but especially when it comes to couples. And the last time we had a featured on the show, I think it was episode 56. So after you listen to this episode, you can go back and check that one out. It's really actually it's one of our most popular episodes to date. But back to today's clip. This comes from a talk that she gave, which was less of a talk and more of a Q&A. And after watching the talk, there were two topics that really stood out to me and that I really wanted to highlight these two topics on the show. And the first one was it had to do with rejection and all the complexities in the world of rejection. And the second topic was geared more toward how we can improve any relationship that we're in, but specifically if you're in a in a relationship with someone else or you're dating someone else. So without further ado, here's Esther Perel. Enjoy. The thing about rejection and the thing about, I think that a few things have been said by Logan and, and Moran um, that I think really are very much to the point, you know. Um, and that's why I love the question that followed, which was how can I say no and tolerate the pain that I may be inflicting on the person that I'm saying no to. Um, And in a way, you could almost divide this question between its analog version and its digital version. Because the digital version sanitizes us from actually having to see or hear the pain of the other. You know, you used to hear somebody beginning to cry, even if it was just on a phone. You used to see a face that begins to break down and just goes into deformation from such disappointment and such loss. But if you just do a delete or a ghosting or even an icing and a simmering, which are the kind of intermediate stages of putting people on hold, there is no way that we can live in the capitalist society that we live in and not suffer our own commodification, unfortunately. You know, we do romantic consumerism and we go on an app, you know, to go find this one and only, and it's kind of a form of emotional capitalism. And so when people reject these days, it just feels like it's cold. It's, it's just, it's easy. It's, um, it's without, I mean, 
<laughs> for lack of a use of a better word, you know, empathy. It's a lack of, of heart about the way that some of this sometimes happens. However, I still think there is no way that you won't be hurt when you are rejected. Sometimes it's done worse and sometimes it's done more kindly, but rejection hurts. The same way that if I am happy, I do this. And you say, it's obvious, it's she smiles when she's pleased. And I do this when it hurts, and my body will show it. How can you imagine that the rejection won't contract you? And it doesn't just contract my body, it contracts my vision, my hope, my sense of what life can still bring me for a while. And the beauty of us is that we are able to be so resilient and so imaginative that we can deal with the deepest losses and somehow find a way to continue to hope again, to love again, to be close again, to make love again. And that has been the cycles of life. And what helps us? The poets have helped us. Music has helped us. Nature has helped us. Art has helped us. Our friends have helped us. Sometimes our family helps us. And every once in a while, psychotherapy. But psychotherapy is not the number one. It, sits, it lives amongst all these other things. There's a reason that all these songs, poems, novels have been written, because they help us. They carry us through these, these experiences where we don't think there is any exit. And yet, there is. So the hardest thing, yes, is to be able to tolerate that you want to do something for you that's going to be that will serve you, but will actually maybe hurt another. Um, that's, you know, and, how, and, and to be able to know it's unbearable sometimes to hurt another person, and to know that you're doing something that is painful without it meaning that you are by nature a bad person or an or, 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 or evil person. But it's very challenging. This is the question, though, that I would broaden. It's not just... You know, how do I tolerate the pain that I inflict on others? It's also, how do I tolerate another person having their own deep experience next to me when it isn't reflective of mine? And this is probably one of the greatest things in relationships. If you, have had, if you had asked one of the questions of what are the important ingredients, this is one of the most important ingredients. It's the ability to make space for another person to be with themselves in your presence. And the same way that you want to be able to be there for them without losing you. I think I may even have said this once here. I always think that one of the very interesting dynamics in a relationship is that there's often one person that is more afraid of losing themselves and one person who is more afraid of losing the other. One person more in touch with the fear of abandonment and one person more in touch with the fear of suffocation. When you leave, you're in, often more in touch with yourself. Whatever the reasons, you may think that you're saving your life. But in effect, you are, deal, you are doing it for you. And you are rejecting another person or abandoning another person. All of that. Um, the biggest challenge for people dating um, I think it's, not, it's the same challenge as people who are in relationships. I mean, um, I, I am from the IRL world in real life. 
I go every day up 22 floors in the elevator to my office. There's about seven, eight people in the elevator, and it is rare that anybody lifts their head and even speaks to each other. And now, on top of it, they put a screen in the elevator, so if they don't have a phone, they're looking at a screen. And I'm thinking, where do we go? So um, I, I think. This goes directly to your question about how do we live here and take the quality of interaction that we have here. You can take this to, with you in so many ways. You know, you can meet with friends and actually have a deeper conversation than the usual chit chat, and have a dinner and actually ask us a question that unifies the conversation. We did it the first evening here with some of the speakers, and you know we could have just said uh, and made a lot of noise and two people talking, and then we just basically asked, "What was on your mind in coming here this morning?" And about 20 of us told completely different stories, and so moving things we would not have imagined were going to be told. But what was special wasn't just what they said; it was the quality of the listening that they received. You know, I often think that one of the few places left where people can have one hour of undivided attention that is device-free is in the psychotherapist's office. That's crazy. So you can say we do a dinner and everybody keeps their phones off the table, and 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 off in their bag so that when they go to the bathroom they're not taking their phones with them. You know, to go and check on it. You, you can, you, you really need to think of this as countercultural, and as and own it, and not be apologetic about it, because you know that the quality of the connection, the communication, the experience that you're going to have will be superior. Trust it. The same way that you trust the dish that you've just cooked, or maybe not, but it doesn't matter. You know, some of you do. Just trust it that if you create an interaction that is more quality to it, and that quality today is one word: attention. That is the main economy. That's the main currency of the moment: attention. This is what you're doing with me now. This is what I want you to do with the people in your life afterwards, and ask them to do for you. And they'll thank you the same way that I will thank you. This is. It is. It's not new, but it's. It's coming. It's becoming a rare commodity. Big thanks to Esther Perel for stopping by. You can go back and check out episode number fifty-six if you like this talk and you want to hear more from her. She also has a ton of great resources on her website, which is estherperel.com, and her most popular book is entitled "The State of Affairs: Rethinking Infidelity," and that is a wrap for me. But before you go, please follow the show on Spotify podcast, share it, or subscribe on your favorite podcast player app, and I will see you back here Friday. So, until then, stay strong. Later. <laughs>